Hello, I'm David Evans, and welcome to the media series from Wolves Fancast. This is episode three, journalism. Now, from your local newspaper to the 24-hour news broadcaster, journalists provide the backbone of our media, and it is the journalist's role to unveil the stories in our modern world. So in regards to sports media, what challenges and opportunities do they face and how can you get into journalism? Tim Spears is the Wolves correspondent for the Express and Star and we chatted about these topics and many more. And as always, our guest views are their own. So in terms of journalism, when, when you were younger and, the, and, and your friends were playing football, I presume you weren't there on the sidelines making notes. Doing the match report the <laughs> Doing match sides, reports, yeah. yeah. No, how, did you, how did you get into journalism? Was it something that you kind of always wanted to do? Did it just kind of fall into kind of job-wise when you were growing up? You just saw it and thought, actually, I'll, I'll go for that. I always wanted to do it. The only thing I was good at as a kid was creative writing, as they called it in primary school. Just just letting your imagination run Get wild. Get past that point where you use a pencil and then you have to prove you can use a pen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then uh, a predecessor of mine uh, called David Harrison, who did my job from, I think, 85 to 90. Mm. Uh, so the, the fall and the rise of walls, as it were. Mm. Um, he was working for the News of the World in the 90s and his son went to my primary school. Mm. Um, and I was good friends with his son and ended up following uh, David around on a couple of jobs. He was writing a book about Alan Shearer and when I was nine years old we went to Alan Shearer's house and all this kind of stuff because he was doing a diary of the season with Alan Shearer which, okay. was, which was just fantastic yeah. obviously. The, the year they won the title with, with Blackburn as well. Oh, okay. So that was brilliant um, and then I was just I always knew what I wanted to do that but I thought the chances of me becoming Wolves correspondent one day are extremely slim, <laughs> right? But honestly, I can't tell you. I, when, when I was younger, I, I, I live in the local area, and um, every day when the Express and Star was delivered, I would run to the letterbox, yeah. uh, pick up the paper, and read David Instant's back page mm. every single day. And I just wanted to be David Instant. And I started to write a little bit in my spare time throughout my teens. Did a couple of things for a load of ball or whatever. Um, practice my own match reports and things like that but I don't know I never really had the guidance as to how how, how I would be able to do that because I guess you know well maybe like 10 20 years ago there wasn't that information just readily available I presume on, on how to get into the industry. no you've got windows what was it Antarctica oh, Encarta 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 95 that's it what, what a program uh, but yeah there's no internet there's no media studies at school either mm. at this time I couldn't even do media studies at A level so there was there was no obvious path really to get into it uh, and then, you know, the late teens struck and uh, blast off in Wolverhampton, as people will know, etc. Et so that's the yeah. kind of direction I went in for a few <laughs> years. Went to uni and that continued. Mm. And to be honest, my uni degree, media and English, just got me absolutely nowhere. Um, and I was a terrible student or a very good student, depending mm. on what way you want to look at okay. it. Uh, failed my first year. And purely, if people believe in fate, then this would resonate. But in the fourth year, I wasn't supposed to be there for four years at Nottingham Trent. In the fourth year, I um, didn't have a lot to do because I was just doing the modules that I'd failed. (laughs) Anyway, um, I ended up becoming sports editor on the university uh, magazine, Mm. um, which gave me license to to write creatively and cover matches. Went to a couple of Notts County games in Nottingham. Um, and that was it, really. So I'm kind of 22, 23 at this stage. It's a bit, bit kind of late to get started. Um, and then found out that they do a journalism course at Wolverhampton College, which is just for a year. Mm. So once I finished uni, I went to college for a year, 
trained, got all the skills I needed. It's a great course. If anyone wants to get into journalism, I would recommend doing it. Um, and then as part of the course, you do work experience. And I was sent here uh, to what was the the Chronicle, the mm. Weekly Chronicle, yeah. which still runs and is very popular. Um, and yeah, it went from there. It went from there, really. And then um, uh, did work experience, went very well. I was freelance here for a little bit. Then I got let go because I couldn't afford freelancers, so I was writing about football from home for a mm. bit, working for some statistical websites and doing like text commentary, you know, how you still get now, BBC text commentary yeah, during matches, yeah. doing that for the Sun and the Times and things mm. like that. So that was great learning curve as well. And then I got the call uh, to come back and work at the Chronicle in 2010 as a reporter mm. um, and then moved to the Express and Star in 2012, mm. again on, on the news team and, yeah, went from there. And I get, obviously people will associate you as the Wolves correspondent, but you probably always haven't obviously been the Wolves correspondent. You've obviously worked in other facets and other areas in journalism. Yeah. Has that would you, has that kind of helped you in kind of in the role you're in now, covering a broad, broader topics to again then get that style to know what to write about no, later definitely on? Definitely because Wolves is news. Mm. At the end of the day, of course it's sport, but Wolves is news. Wolves can be front page news uh, and often is, you know, when it comes to things like stadium redevelopment uh, or financial stories, or, or when a manager gets sacked, you know that's 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 front page news. So it, it definitely helps, but it, it it gives you the basics that you need, certainly in terms of law, which is very important. And I think it's a thing that people perhaps don't realise because you can say what you want on Twitter these days, but you can't say what you want in a newspaper. Yeah, you've got to abide by a lot of a lot of media law. Um, and it gives you good grounding in things like shorthand as well, which isn't used so much in football these days, but still is very important. So no, um, and certainly working working here, I mean, there's you know, there is nothing tougher for me than working uh, on a busy daily newspaper. Mm. I mean, the, I got the shock of my life when I started here in 2012. It's it's everything you kind of you kind of imagine really. And, and even now, you know, the the um, there's not as many people who work here as they used to because of certain reasons. You know, mm. the paper's smaller than it used to be. But people are still amazed by the scale of this place. I mean, it's huge. And um, it's still the biggest um, regional newspaper in the country. Mm. So so that grounding, and I was chief reporter on news, chief reporter in the Wolverhampton office, uh, which, which is just a huge task and extremely stressful and huge pressure. Um, and we used to print on the day when I was still used to print on the day when right, I was chief reporter. Okay. So honestly, when you've been faced with say it's, we used to print at one o'clock, or that was our deadline in the afternoon. And if it's half twelve and you're chief reporter, and there's a massive hole mm. on the front page because there's no story, yeah. there's no lead story on that front page, and that is that is real pressure. Yeah. Once you deal with that, you can deal with anything. So it was a great grounding. I was going to ask, kind of lean, my next question was going to be about preconceptions you went into journalism, things you thought, oh, it would be like this, and when you came into journalism, you kind of got a reality check, and I presume that what that would have been one of them, in terms of you didn't realise how, in some ways, busy would be in that regard. No, you're right, and certainly... Um, well, yeah, because you know you, you pick up the paper. What used to be five o'clock, or whenever you pick up the paper, you don't think, oh, with half an hour still to print, they had massive holes all over yeah. this page and still stories to fill. Um, and kind of the twenty-four hour aspect of it, really, pe- people may- maybe wouldn't think of that so much. But um, but no, it was um, it's a fant- it's a fantastic place to work. Mm. And, and um, if, like I said, if you can make it here, you can kind of make it anywhere. Really, you know, it's it's on a par with the nationals in terms of in terms of pressure and stress and readership mm. and, and importance. I think. So then, obviously, years down the line, you become the Wolves correspondent. You get the the dream job, as it were. When you when you when you got the job, was there a sense of 
kind of you kind of not in the sense of you didn't know what you were getting into, but was there a moment where you thought? Because I think people like Tim Nash, perhaps in the past, and other reporters, especially in the social media age, they are the go-to people for knowledge. And sometimes you get knockbacks because of that, and you criticise because of that. Mm. Was there a moment where you just thought, right, I can I understand now what this job is and the responsibility and the the the, the gauge you get from other fans I, as part of this I job? I wildly underestimated mm. just. Um, the importance that people kind of um, yeah kind of put you up as this figurehead really I mean you know getting stopped in the street was not something I even thought about mm. um, which happens all the time I was I live in Wolverhampton as well um, and yeah but being the go-to guy it, I don't know maybe I went into it a bit naively but I certainly certainly the Twitter side of it I've massively underestimated yeah we'll and, talk uh, about that in yeah, a sec yeah absolutely no it, um, it's 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 a real privilege, and you see how much it means to people, mm. and people kind of hold you on this kind of pedestal as um, as the as yeah the go to man and, mm. and the font of all wolves knowledge, and um, and if you're not prepared for that, it, it can be a real mm. rude awakening because you know you, you come in cold, and uh, wolves weren't exactly weren't the most helpful of clubs maybe at, at that time. Mm. Steve Morgan and Jez Moxie, and they had, they'd had their fallouts with the Express and Star, mm. so they weren't exactly welcoming me with open arms. So yeah, it was it was uh, it was it was a rude awakening yeah. at the time. Yeah, and then <coughs> social media, that lovely social media. How has that changed? Not just your job, but journalism in general, because everything is just twenty four seven. Everything is instant. People expect a reaction straight away. How has that how, how has that changed your approach and how you do things? But not only kind of for the paper, but just content in general. How has that kind of impacted your job? Yeah, it's a complete game changer for, for the whole industry, and I, I still don't think the industry has really completely dealt with it yet. Um, I, I, I certainly wasn't expecting uh, the abuse and the vitriol that you get. Certainly wasn't mm. expecting that. I'll never forget. Uh, I think it was four games in Cardiff away, uh, quite early on, 2015-16 season. We lost two nil, and uh, I just tried to have a bit of fun on Twitter and inject a bit of personality into mm. it. I think. A lot of people kind of want you to be vanilla and beige mm. and just put out the boring tweets, but but so, I don't know. I think some people like that personality side mm. of it, and it, it, it is more informal, and you can have a bit of a laugh with people. Anyway, at the end of the game, Wolves lost two nil, and I'll never forget. I stuck a tweet out saying um, Wolves have had more goalkeepers than points in their last three matches because mm. they'd drawn one and lost two, <laughs> and they'd had two keepers. Honestly, I'll, I'll never. I was sat in my car outside the Cardiff Stadium for an hour thinking what have I done mm. there were people saying how, how do you get paid for this you, you, you cannot be a journalist mm. are you serious the abuse was frightening actually and I was kind of, what, what have I let myself in for and I guess yeah. you worry that you're going to go to work next day are they going to see it what are they going to think yeah yeah. and it, it's one of those I'd... yeah it's no, it's, it's, diffi- it's difficult to know how to act on social media because normally p- people are on Twitter and they're just themselves mm. and they inject their, their personalities yeah. there on the screen but it's different when you're because I'm I'm still the only person that covers Wolves on a full time basis, mm. which I find remarkable mm. for a club of Wolves' size. You know, there's nobody else that is a full time employee covering the club, um, so people kind of everyone wants you. Everyone has a certain depiction of how they think you should be. I think maybe yeah. as Wolves yeah, correspondent, yeah, yeah. and it's completely different. Fifteen years ago, when all you've got to do is not all you've got to do, but you've just got to put a couple of stories in the paper. There's no there's no pictures of you mm. in there. Mm. Um, it's just it's just your byline and your story, yeah. and that's all people judge you on. Whereas now they judge you on your personality, uh, on your appearance, uh, on, yep. your, on your on your demeanour, um, on your your video skills, mm. your podcast skills. 
your writing skills. You get judged on, on absolutely everything. Mm. And yeah, like I said, if, if you're not prepared for that, then that can be quite tough to deal with. But I think what you and, and Nathan have done really well, you've kind of, you've took a spin on that now. You've got on, on, on your podcast, you've got the abuse of the week, so everyone yeah. is great every yeah. week. Um, I know that, you know, you'll, You'll, until you've done this on Twitter before, you'll get emails in criticising you, so you'll post them out and kind of yes. kind of put the spin back on them. And I think that's the thing with social media sometimes is that you've got to kind of just take it and be like, yep, yeah, okay, fine, let's just have a bit of fun with this. Yeah, you've got to have a thick skin. You've got, and I, I did have to develop one because it was, it, you know, that first year was was tough. Because I, th- I think w- w- once you've got complete faith in your as much as you can in your um, ability and you, you're, you're pleased with the job that you're doing I think you can brush off any criticism mm. if you know you're doing a really good job then people can say what they like mm. but in that first year when you're still finding your feet and other people are still getting stories and you, you're kind of thinking oh, I'm not doing a great job here I need to be doing better and then you've got and then you turn on Twitter mm. and you've got everyone saying the same <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's tough to take really yeah. but um, you're, you've I think what you've done really well especially in the last year you've really injected your personality on, onto Twitter so you've got this quite very much a dry wit about things that are going on, and people really like that. And I think the the things that you were doing with Nathan, there they, does seem to be this cult following now in terms of what you guys do. But people genuinely like what you guys are doing. Was there just a moment where perhaps both of you just thought, you know what, we're just going to do our own take on this, and we're just going to let's just try and have a bit of fun with it as well? Well, first of all, it's very very kind of you to say, and you know we do appreciate all the all the nice comments mm-hmm. that we get. I, it, no, it kind of evolved naturally, really, with Nathan. It's um, I think we just realised we had kind of had this on screen kind of chemistry, mm-hmm. um, and just not being too serious about it all. You know, I think. Because it's just football at the end of the day. It is just football for a start, but certainly the internet and Twitter allows you to do that, to have a light-hearted side. And certainly in the the black country, I find, people don't take themselves too seriously. Mm. And they want to be given it straight, and they want to be told who's playing well, who's playing not. Things are very black and white. So, So... I, I try and I try and do that and just be as honest as I can in my, with my opinions. And Nathan has a bit of a laugh. Mm. And yes, some people some people hate it, and some people think it's stupid, and some people think, you know, where well we long for the days of what John John D, one of my predecessors mm. in the seventies, and where's 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 the proper journalism gone? There is there is still that. It's mm. just it's evolved. It's changed. It's how, evolved, how we, and yeah. you've got to be a jack of all trades now. And like mm. I said, do the videos and the podcast, and you've got you've got to kind of be a bit of a personality. I think in mm. this day and age, because there are so many other media outlets and so many other places for Wolves for fans to get their Wolves news mm. that we have to offer something different while still keeping that integrity mm. at the heart of it, which yeah. I think is the mo- most important thing of all. Well, that leads me into a, a, a question one of the guys asked me today, which about those other outlets. And you've, like us and like other people, you've seen this rise of, of fan media, people doing mm-hmm. the stuff on their own. But I guess, how, I don't want to say difficult, but it must be strange that you've got a groups of people who are trying to almost do the same job you guys are doing. But there's a perhaps a bit more freedom because as as fans, they can mm-hmm. you know you can just say say what you want. Yeah, is it is a almost kind of a, a challenge to balance out what you do against what other establishments are, are trying to bring? Because it must be in a journalism world a brand new thing that perhaps wasn't expected that people just start doing their own stuff all of a sudden. No, you're right, and 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 you know we try and be we try and be the go to place for everything, but of course we we can't be that. Mm. Um, and it, yeah, it is it is. Um, it is difficult. There's of course, but there's always going to be room for that for for message boards. I mean, Molyneux Mix kind yeah. of started in conjunction with, exactly, with, with yeah. Express and Star back in the day. So um, we try and offer that. We have, we have fan blogs once a week, and and I try and offer 
sort of a bit of a fan's perspective on it at times mm. as well because you know make no secret of the fact that I was a Wolves fan for, for 20 years and I think that's probably one of the reasons mm. why uh, I was maybe given the job to, to, to kind of inject that into it as mm. well so um, it's it's um, it's difficult there, there are a lot of other places to get your Wolves news these days and, and, and opinions certainly as well and there's mm. Absolutely no reason why my my opinion is more valid than anyone else's, mm. you know, when it comes to Wolves. And I think people maybe sometimes expect you to be a, a football expert, mm. whereas, you know, that's not what I that's not what I pretend to be at all. I'm I'm a, just a journalist who's cover, yeah. who's covering a football club at the end mm. of the day. So you, you you can't you can't be the best at everything, and there will always be an avenue for fan blogs and everything mm. like you say and there's there's a place for that and we perhaps really can't can't compete with that so it's, we've just got to offer a different a different product and a reputable inte- uh, product with integrity that people are going to mm. come to and obviously you mentioned being a Wolves fan so being in this job again is fantastic for you is there sometimes a balance where you are reporting but you're not you've got to find that balance between being the fan and being the journalist in, in what you say you can't you, you've got to kind of find that balance of how you say things in a sense, yeah, and I th- uh, yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and I think um, I kind of leave that on Twitter, really. Mm. Um, I, you know, I make no secret of my excitement during matches when uh, when, when football is when happening. Yeah, I, I don't, I've seen so many. Some when we've had conversations with fellow fans, so many people come up to me and go. A football match in my mind hasn't started until I've seen Tim Spears tweet football is happening and in their <laughs> mind once that's that, they know that, that they're really into the match then when that happens that's very humbling to hear that um, no you, you you know you, you can't help but get excited I, I'm not out the chair like Judah can be I do I do sit down when they score <laughs> um but no, Brentford away. I remember when they came from one nil down to win two one in the last minute. You can't help. You can't help with your emotions. Or mm. Bristol City earlier this season was just fantastic. So I think I think there's a there's a there's a place for you to be a kind of a, a, a you know. Well, I remember when I got the job. Someone said to me that the most dangerous thing you can ever do is give a, give a, a fan a pen when, mm. when it comes to that. But I, I don't agree with that in, in this day and age. I think people want you to kind of sort of be a fan of of the club at the same time as be a journalist so I'll, but I'll kind of leave that all on Twitter really I think that's acceptable on Twitter but when it comes to articles and match reports yeah you, of course you've got to be neutral and balanced and fair and critical when it needs to be so it's but, but people see the Twitter side of it and think oh he's yeah like I say he's just a fan with a pen but really it's when you're looking at the articles and everything like that that's where you still keep your journalistic mm. integrity and the Express Star has obviously got a relationship with Wolves. They are the kind of the, the local paper they go to for many fans. You've got to kind of keep that relationship again. You've got to be, as a journalist, critical mm-hmm. when it needs to be critical, perhaps not to an extent where you can ruin or tangier that, that relationship with the club. Again, is that trying to find that balance again? Yeah. A, a, that- a cha- a cha- you know, a, not a challenge again, but just trying to find the right avenue to go down so you can be critical but fair at the same time. Definitely. And that's again, that's probably something I wasn't used to because when, when you're a journalist covering news and a, um, a company has, has, has done something wrong or, or whatever, you, you just go for it. You do the story. There's no issue. Whereas at Wolves... You just you're dealing with the same company and the same people every single day, and you rely on them. They rely on you, but in this day and age, it's it's not as much as it once was. Mm. Back in the day, the Express and Star was the only place you get your Wolves mm. news. Now Wolves are their own media outlet, and they don't. They like I said, they do still need us on occasions, but certainly not mm. anywhere near as much as they used to. So they have the ability to cut us off at any minute, and cut us off could mean banning us from the ground. 
uh, banning us from interviewing the manager mm. or anybody. And there are current examples out there. Yeah, I think Swindon Town, for example, Swindon Town and Middlesbrough, where we go on, where we go. Well, whenever this is uh, this is uh, this is published, yeah. uh, Wolves are playing Middlesbrough, or they may yeah. have already played Middlesbrough. Yeah. But anyway, that's another example, and we've seen it at Newcastle as well, and on other clubs where if if the owner doesn't like you, answer me this. How long have you had that mattress? Because it's looking even lumpier than my lockdown love handles. And while those might be more cuddly, a lumpy mattress is doing nothing for your comfort levels or your sleep. So whatever body you're rocking, put it on a Nectar mattress. Prices start at just $499. And you get $399 in accessories thrown in. That includes a Nectar mattress, mattress protector, cooling pillows and sheet set, a 365-night home trial, and a forever warranty. Go to Nectarsleep.com and get hugged. Do they can ban you? Mm. Um, now, fortunately, I don't think we've got owners like that at Wolves. No. Um, like I said, there have been issues with the club in the past. The mm. club, was, club wasn't allowed at training ground for a few years. Uh, and that, that's, like I said, that's changed now. But also, we have to keep ourselves an independent newspaper that can be critical of the football mm. club. And as long as we are justified in what we're writing and justified in what we're reporting then we'll be happy with that. And if Wolves were to take issue with that, then then so be it. But as long as we're happy with the standards that we set, and it's only when, it's only when you get to the point of telling lies or untruths mm. that, that clubs would, would would really kind of clamp down. And we, you know, we're certainly not in the business of doing that. So relationships are, are very good, I'm very pleased to say. And um, Fosun, you know, very, very, very welcoming to us and very accommodating, mm. as, is, as is Nuno. Uh, I can pick up, pick up the phone to anyone at Wolves, you know, mm. we, we, which is great, and we have an open dialogue and an open relationship on on a number of levels, including commercial as well. Mm. So, um, I've never there's there's never been something that I've wanted to write and haven't mm. for fear of being critical, and I've probably got a bit of stick for being quite critical of Foson in the summer when they got when they got rid of Paul Lambert mm. and no, nobody really knew what was going to unfold at that point, and Nuno was very much an unknown quantity, and George Mendes as well. Mm. And I was happy to have my say on that, and I don't take a single word of it back, despite the despite the success that, that's followed. Because you know, we are there to raise these questions yeah. on behalf of the fans, mm. because we represent the fans more than anybody else at mm. the end of the day. And yes, Wolves and the Express and Star have had a relationship which goes back to the Victorian age, and will hopefully continue to do so for many many years to come. But we are an independent, family-owned newspaper mm. at the end of the day, with with not many. Um, well, probably no restrictions put on editorial content mm. and what we can or can't say. But like I said, uh, that's not an issue with yeah. with a club like Wolves because they're they're as open and transparent as pretty much as it gets. And I guess it, it, in your role, it would be that you'd want that to continue. That there is access to the press. That there is that they do provide. Let you know have that different opinion, not just their own internal slant, as it were. Because obviously, clubs are going to have their own slight bias on how things mm-hmm. are said. But from your perspective, that relationship and, and keeping press coming in, not I mean, obviously I don't, I, you wouldn't think Wolves would do that, but in football in general going forward, you'd want that to continue. No, ab- yeah. ab- absolutely. And, the, the, you know, a free and independent press is vital to many aspects of of this country's democracy. And, um, yeah, I've, I've ne- like I said, I've never really encountered many problems with Wolves. I've, I've had a few rollickings on the phone from certain senior staff uh, about certain things mm. they weren't happy with, with me writing, and I've put forward my side of the argument, and then and then the next day it's, it's all forgotten about. Mm. So, um, 
if if they don't like an opinion I put forward, then then yeah, we'll have a chat about it, and that'll be it really. But it's if there's if there's any particular story that's factually incorrect, which Touchwood hasn't happened, you know, mm. since I've been here, then then that's when it gets serious, and that's when you look at maybe putting in uh, a retraction if something's wrong or, or whatnot. But yeah. fortunately, that that's never happened with Wolves, and um, I think I think Wolves appreciate our role, mm. and like I said, sometimes they will come to us and say, look. Tim, can can you help me out with this? Can you help promote this, for example? Or you know, can you make sure that when you're writing this article, you get this certain point in there because we think that's important. Yeah. yeah. So that that kind of thing happens very frequently, and like I said, we can all pick up the phones with each other, and it's a very open relationship. When you have a story that you want to write, what is the? And again, with this digital age, the approach has probably changed. When you have an idea, are you just thinking, right, we've got X story, but now I need to plan how this is going to look in the paper? online, on social media, or whatever. Have you really now got to think of all the different channels now and areas yeah. before you write something or you're yeah. in the process? Yeah, absolutely. And um, we still place enormous uh, importance on the newspaper, mm. which a lot of publications don't do anymore. They've maybe gone completely over to the digital side. Mm. Whereas because our sales, touch wood, are still healthy... Um, not not half as much as what they were because the whole industry has declined, but our sales are still very healthy in today's market. So, again, this I think this is something that maybe pe- people struggle to understand. Um, say say if I go to a press conference in the afternoon, and the manager says something about a current topic, mm. and I say see tomorrow's paper mm. for the story, and people will reply, "Well, can't you just tell us now?" Yeah. Tell us a story. You know, you've just been to see Kenny Jacket. You've mm. just been to see Nuno. What, what, what do you have to say? And certainly, when Kenny was um, close to leaving the club, um, and he was fortunate enough to, or gracious enough to give me a few one-on-ones with him at the time, and I would say, "Look, I've been to see Kenny Jacket. Fantastic chat on his future mm. and what's going to happen. See tomorrow's paper." And people just wouldn't get it. But we're still in the business of selling newspapers here, and um, so we will hold stories for the next day's paper. Mm. And so obviously, that, people are going to want to then buy the paper. Yeah, to see it. yeah, in yeah. Theory, You've got to give them that incentive to to go to go get it. Yeah, of course. And you know, our, our sales will still do very well when we get big stories like that. And uh, you know, if if Wolves are promoted this year, I think you know we'll have we'll have great sales for that because people you know promotion pullouts and whatnot mm, things like yeah. that. But yeah, no. When you've got a story now, you do have to think about that. When does it go online? When does it go in the paper? If something's already out there. Nine, 99 times out of 100 you just get it straight on that website mm. straight away but it, there's a fine balance right between um, the importance of, of saving something for the paper getting it online you want to be seen as being quick and proactive not just reactive mm. and you want to be the first with the news and you want to get stuff out there straight away but also you've got you've got to still hold things for the newspaper mm. because that's what still makes money at the end of the day and, and, and no other um, no other newspaper across the country has figured out how to make a lot of money from their website mm. So and we're in that dilemma as well because we've given we give away everything for free on our website, and we don't make as much money from advertising mm. on our on our website as we would do in the paper. And it's it's um it's a horrible dilemma for everyone in the industry to have. It still hasn't been solved yet. Yeah, because you do see people like is it like the Times and, and that that they have yeah. sections where you can read a tiny bit of it, and if you want to read more, you've got to sign up. Yeah, basically. Yeah, no, absolutely, and 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 that, and that's another reason why our products that we put out has got to be got to be quality because otherwise people will will just go elsewhere you know if if um if 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 I'm just if I'm putting a story out and then someone else will pick it up and rewrite it and and they're doing that constantly then people will just 
say, well, I, I could go to either of these two websites mm. for, for my news. So the the products that we give has got to be of a high enough quality that people will continue to come back to us. And I think we, we certainly have we certainly have um, a prestigious brand and name that hopefully people trust and respect. But we've got to keep those standards ex- higher than ever in in this day and age because there are so many sources to get your news from. When you go to a press conference or a player interview, when you're kind of preparing of that, you know, depending on the circumstance of what's going on at the team at that time, is there kind of a go-to list of things you would need to ask or in your mind you're like, right, or how how do you kind of get out the answer you want? Is there kind of a way that you would suggest questions to, to kind of get the words, not kind of get them to say what you want to say, but get what you need to write that story no do you know what the, the, there's, there's an art there's an art to interviewing and some people are, are very very good in it and, and others aren't and it's and um you've got to be able to read the person that you're interviewing mm. and that's that's not easy sometimes because i've there's been four wolves managers since i've been here and they've all been very different mm. and some like abrupt questions like how do you think? How do you think Wolves play today? Mm. Just leave it at that. Some would maybe like you to massage their ego a little bit and tell them what great job they're doing, um, and and whatnot. Um, so it's um, you've got to be able to to read your interview and tease that information out of them. You want people to to people have got to want to speak to you, and they've got to they don't have to like you, but they need to respect you. I think, mm. or else because they could legitimately just walk off and say, no, I'm not answering that question. Mm. So that yeah, like I said, the, the, there is a bit of an art to it, and, and every man is different. So. Mm. The best thing I would say about that is is um, interview people interview people as much as you can when you're in your, your early stages of your career, um, and kind of get a kind of a uh, a manner that you're happy mm. and an interview style that you're happy with, and then you can kind of tailor it to whoever you eventually mm. are interviewing. Because, like I said, all managers are very different. And when you've gone to interview managers and players, obviously in this current era, and, in, and since you've been in the role, has it been? Any standout people who have been great to interview, who have kind of given some great answers, or you just built up a, a great rapport with, and you were like, right, yeah, I'm interviewing that person now. I know this will be a, a a good piece or a good interview. Does anyone kind of stand out people? Uh, Paul Lambert was very good, mm. and I think Paul Lambert had had a rough time at Villa with the press, and he'd gone away, come back at Blackburn, and then at Wolves, and kind of realised he need he needed the local press on side if things were going to go. Badly, so he kind of reinvented himself in a way, and he was he was very accommodating. You know, the, the day he took charge, he t- he took me to one side, and, and we had a good chat and uh, swap phone numbers and whatnot. And he was he was very helpful and very accommodating. And you know, you could have a bit of a laugh with him as well. But he was going to give you honest and detailed answers, which mm. is exactly what you want as a journalist, because there are so many copy demands. I've got so so mm. many stories to fill, so many column inches to fill. And you don't really want someone who's just going to be giving short answers. Mm. So he was very good. Um, Dave Edwards was very good, mm. a media darling. Yep. Dave Edwards, um, who would just again be very honest and give very insightful answers. He's you know you're not your average footballer, Dave. Mm. And I think that that came across. Yeah. Uh, probably via me and probably via my predecessor as well. That everyone thinks, oh, you know, he's a favourite of yours. Because you keep putting in the paper right, or whatnot, okay, yeah. the old seven out of ten on the player ratings, <laughs> etc. Um, but I tell you what, that, that's that's another thing which perhaps people don't realise is that we have very little control over who we speak to after a match. Mm. Often, again, nine times out of ten, Wolves will present us with a, a player after a match, and we will interview them. Mm. And there are a number of players who won't do interviews, 
Again, that's the same at any club. Mm. Perhaps their English isn't so good. Perhaps they're just not comfortable speaking to the press. Perhaps they've had a run-in with a journalist in the past. So anyway, if you're a club that's losing a lot of matches, um, there aren't many. You've got to be brave to come up and front mm. and front up after a defeat, particularly if it's a bad one. Um, so you tend to find maybe when Wolves are struggling last year or, or the season before, there are a small pool of players who will come and, and speak after a, after a draw or a defeat. Mm. And that's why you maybe would see the same names coming out. Mm. And I would say bravo to people like Dave Edwards, Richard Stearman, Danny Bart, Connor mm. Cody, yeah. you know, the ones that you see most often in the press. Um, and it's not it's not my job to dig out who maybe wouldn't come out and speak. Mm. But if, if um, fans maybe notice that and say, look, after a defeat it's the same old faces oh god you know Dave Edwards is speaking again well he's the only one that's got the balls to front mm. up to be honest and I presume it's not in your position to kind of say to the club well why can't I go speak to, to so and so it is just this is who you've got and in a sense speak to that person yeah exactly and and, and the club will feel the same because like I said they're their own media outlet as well mm. these, these days and, and they, they would want different players to kind of front up and speak so um, so that's yeah that, that that's another side to it but yeah as, as for people who are good I would say um there's certainly not been many bad ones, really, at Wolves. Um, they've had a lot of good good talkers over the years. Richard Steeman was very good as well, actually. Uh, Matt Doherty's probably the best of the current mm. crop. Very outspoken um, and honest. Um, and yeah, there, there are there are some tough ones. The, the, the younger ones tend to be the tougher ones because mm. they're not used to it and they're terrified of saying something that's going to yeah. get them in trouble. Mm. Um, and that could be something very minor or something very major, but they're not... You know, everyone gets media training these days, mm. but there's nothing I would imagine that quite prepares you for walking out of the dressing room and speaking to up to ten very experienced journalists, mm. some of whom want to trip you up. Right. Because it's it's different. It's different with me. I like to form a relationship with as many of the players as I as I can. You know, a positive relationship because I'm I'm going nowhere, and at the moment they're going nowhere. Mm. Whereas you might get someone from one of the national papers who, or maybe a freelance who needs to needs to get a good story for their editor mm. and because they might not become they they might not come again to Wolves for for 6 months so they don't care about upsetting anybody and they will try and trip players up and mm. get a, a juicy line from them and then maybe twist what they've said or you know th- things like that happen yeah. and that puts us all in a bad light to be honest so mm. that, again those are the some of the things that that you kind of have to deal with okay and then in terms of if people are listening now maybe some younger listeners who who think you know, I'd really like to get into journalism in general. Maybe the dream of sports journalism. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> where, what tips would you? Where, where do you start? What kind of experience? What should you go and, and try and do? And, and what maybe you know, voluntary experience, for example. Where should you try and go and, and courses? And what kind of tips? What route would you suggest in some ways? I would say write, write, <clears throat> and write again, mm. and do it for free. And show willing and be enthusiastic. All the things that you need in, in, in most walks of life, really. But particularly in journalism, if you can show willing and enthusiasm um, and work for free. And, yeah, there's lots lots of antisocial hours mm. in this business as well. Um, then you, you, and, and if you've got a bit of talent to go with that, then you're not going to go far wrong. And as far as courses go, yeah, the NCTJ, uh, uh, which you can get, do across the country, uh, and they run the course at Wolverhampton College. And it's, it's an e- excellent course, actually then that's a great place to start. Um, and university degrees now as well, you can get your mm. journalism qualifications through there. But I would just say, you know, to try and de- try and develop your writing style at as, uh, an early age as, as possible and, and figure out kind of what kind of journalism you want to go into because there are all sorts of facets and all sorts of directions that you can go in now. And yes, you've got, you've got your clickbait. Mm. Yeah. Um, lots of people working for clubs now as well. Mm-hmm. Clubs have got many many opportunities to go and work in there um but i don't think i don't think you can really beat 
uh, working for a, a newspaper, to be mm. honest. And it's um, it's exciting times for the industry, and there are so many so many avenues that you can go down now. Yeah, in, in terms of in terms of videos and, and and podcasts and everything, you know, you've got to be multi skilled these yeah. days. You can't just be a writer. It's something that Mike Taylor mentioned on, on the first podcast we did. In yeah. terms of the, it's not just a case of being a writer anymore. You've got to have these skills already yeah. before you go into the job. You've got to, or at least learn them on the job, so you can cover so many bases. No, absolutely. You know, t- twenty years ago, you, you if you you'd just be an expert in your field, and that was it, really. You know, you'd be a, a broadcaster or a commentator or a writer. And now, you know, you sort of need to be able to do a, a, a bit a bit of all three. Um, and you see that at clubs as well. The clubs clubs will hire. Uh, someone for their media team and, and want them to be a commentator as well and a, and a presenter as well. So you've got to think about that. But I would certainly suggest to try and specialise in, in one area if you can, mm. um, and then kind of yeah, f- f- figure out what what route you want to go down. Really, there are, there are lots of um, there are lots of different aspects of of, um, of written journalism um, in terms of. You, you, being more um, analytical, maybe, or doing kind of hard news stories, or because you've still got your, your specialisms specialisms within the industry. We see on this patch alone, really, someone like John Percy at the Telegraph mm. is is known as I think he's known as Scoop by his uh, right, okay. by his colleagues because he is just relentless with the scoops, yeah. and he's great at building contacts, which of course is so crucial uh, for getting good stories. And then you've got your columnists who are, who are maybe very opinionated. Mm. Uh, someone like Stan Collymore, you know, has made a niche for himself mm, out of yeah. that. Um, and then you've got you, you guys who do the fantastic match reports, people like Henry Winter, who can really, really analyse a game, and that's why he's so successful on television as well. Um, and then and then you've got your kind of jack-of-all-trades, really, where, where you're kind of doing match reports and player ratings and Twitter and, and everything kind of in one. So, so it's it's not just about not just about saying it's as simple as writing. You know, there are many other ways to go within that, mm. be it columnists. Or yeah, or hard news, or match reports, or or anything really. There are there are lots of different avenues to go down. So so kind of try and figure out your what your niche is, what you're good at, and then um, get the training from there and, and work for free. And the final question is the same question we, we will end with with every podcast: is where do you see this the, the sports media industry, football quality, football media industry? Where do you see it going? For example, in the next decade, what do you think? it will look like how do you think it will change to what we've got now will it change anymore will we say see different things coming in different approaches how do you, how do you see it kind of playing out at the minute well i think we're certainly going to see the the rise of more kind of football specialist football websites i think mm. um and we see a lot to do with tactical analysis now things like squawker and things like yeah. that are becoming very popular and will continue to do so more um I remember when I started at the Express and Star or at the company in 2010, I was told within 10 years there'll be no newspaper by people who just thought that that was the way it was going. Mm. But here we are, we're still here. So I I don't know, it's easy to say there'll be no newspapers in 10 years' time, but they they just keep going. Mm. And you you wonder if things like that might have a renaissance one day anyway. You look look at vinyl now and things like that. So I don't think think you can really beat holding a copy of the newspaper. Yeah, it's a tangible thing, isn't it? It's also like with books, for example. Ultimately, books will probably never go out because people want that physical copy. Yes, exactly. No, you're right. I I agree. But it's just for for a company like us, where do we make money from if if the newspaper sales are still dwindling? But as far as the industry goes, it's, it's it's, it's very hard to predict. Certainly more to do with video i think and social media and people just have no patience anymore they don't want to wait for anything mm. so more 
uh, instant news, instant videos. It's going to be very interesting to see where they go with, with television rights now as well, mm. with pe- people like Amazon coming yeah. into the mix. And ultimately, that's where all the money comes from. Um, but there'll always be room for an independent voice, I think, um, when it comes to football. Um, and that will, yeah, that will that will always be there at the end of the day. It's very, it's very hard to predict. Things like podcasts are obviously, as as you know, as I know, yeah, very, 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 <laughs> very popular. And it's 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 difficult to predict yeah, exactly. It, it, which... it, it, it's weird with podcasts because it, it only in the last maybe couple of years it's really become a massive thing. Yeah, and you probably even don't know where that's going to go. That might people might start ignoring that in the next couple of years. It's it's one of those facets really of, of media which it could just be a trend. For example, no, exactly, and then and then you've got certain um, generational aspects of it as well. Mm. You know, I think the elder generation are certainly the ones that, that like reading their paper. When the next generation comes through, you know, I, I don't know many people my age who really read newspapers, to be honest. Mm. But but we'll, but we'll still log on to Express and Star website. So I think a lot of it will be dictated by how people make money out of this at the end of mm. the day, because there are some huge organisations out there which which are losing money year on year. So they will have to reinvent themselves and and perhaps become the trendsetters again, as they were what 150 years ago when when they started with newspapers. Or we'll see a, a rise of a real kind of new new style of media, um, but it's difficult because people still want to go to the I think the, the tried and trusted names for their for their news. So perhaps, but perhaps we'll see, perhaps we'll see like I said, a new wave of names kind of come through and, and, and take over the football media industry. But it's it's very hard to predict.